1: Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David and today I'm joined by the site's deputy editor Tom Freeman to discuss the team of the season which is finally in. You guys have finished voting on the best players of the 2022-23 20, season and you have come up with an 11. So it's quite an exciting moment where we get to talk through uh, the successful candidates. So uh, it's nice to have you with us Tom. Uh, how are you how are you doing? How did your season uh, end in the end uh, at the end of the campaign?
0: It was okay, David. It was, um, hello, first of all, I didn't introduce myself <laughs> properly, but uh, yeah, hello. Um, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, let's go back to, let's rewind. So I went into the final day and I was about ranked about 45k, I think, and um, I didn't go down the route a lot of other people did with Kane coming in and possibly alongside Eze. I actually went for Watkins and Foden to try and go down a different route and it didn't really work. So ended up just outside of the top 50k, but, um... Yeah, it was quite a challenging season for, for various reasons, but um, nowadays I'll, I'll take that rank, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not a bad rank at all, but uh, hopefully can improve on that next season.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, it certainly is, it's, it was a really challenging season, I think, for a lot of people, mm. um, a lot of people who um, have, you know, fantastic records, which of course you are one four four four, maybe five times mm-hmm. in the top 1k, is that correct? I always like to drop that in with you. <laughs>
0: yeah five but quite a few of those were a while ago so uh, i'm wary it's much more difficult wow. these days i don't it's quite it's very difficult to rack up quite that many now but um it'd be nice to get another one maybe six times six times top one k has a nice ring to it so i'll have to uh, try try a bit harder next year <laughs> yeah not trying hard enough that's the problem
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, one thing that could potentially help you get back to that uh, particular rank is is looking back sometimes at at the season that's just gone because we always discover some really interesting things after the fact and sometimes that can help us discover them before the fact, next time out. And so, yeah, that's very much been the purpose of the team of the season, hasn't it? And, um, you know, what's it been like sort of looking back at the season? I know Mark's done a lot of the the articles as well. We've had him on some videos. Um, You know, you've uh, obviously been part of the the editorial room looking at this. Um, What's that process been like?
0: Yeah, it, it's great kind of like looking back. There's so many there's so many different parts of this season where the World Cup dropped into the middle um, that you kind of forget. So you kind of look back on, you know, just starting with the goalkeepers. I mean, you kind of, you, you know, David Raya, the top scoring goalkeeper. But then, you know, you, you kind of forget the form that Nick Pope was in pre-World Cup um the amount of clean sheets kind of Newcastle kept so there's loads of little nuggets like that that you you kind of forget about in the it's crazy when the season's on isn't it it's deadline deadline double game week mm-hmm. and the way it finished so it's nice to just take a step back kind of reflect on it look at those kind of key performers and it'll be really interesting when the game launches to see um how that impacts their prices um And of course, then we'll start having to look for for bargains, because I can't imagine many of these guys uh, (laughs) um, are going to be priced similarly. They're all going to have an extra million or two probably added on, aren't they? Um, yeah,
1: that's the thing. And of course, when they make the team of the season on Fantasy Football Scout as well, that's always going to increase their stock. Uh, with uh... we don't help
0: ourselves, do we? Yeah. No, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we should have put all the bad players in. It might, might have been yeah, a Yeah, exactly. Well, you did mention uh, David Ray, you mentioned Nick Pope as well. So let's start with the goalkeeper position, uh, where yeah. if you well, if you t- t- tell us a bit about who uh, was involved in that vote, uh, the five players on the shortlist, how the vote went, and uh, who the winner was uh, for that position.
0: Yeah, so we had five goalkeepers um, in the vote. We had uh, Kepper from Chelsea, Alisson from Liverpool, uh, De Gea from Man United, Pope from Newcastle and Raya from Brentford. And uh, Raya won by a bit of a landslide. He got 56% of the vote. Um, Pope was second on uh, just under 20%. So um, a huge amount of votes for Raya. And uh, and then in third was De Gea, uh, fourth Allison, and then fifth fifth Kepper. Now Keppa came fifth. I actually was looking back at my season review. I actually played him more than any other goalkeeper across the season. But you can, I mean, I can completely see why Raya came out on top of this one. Um, did you own it, Mark, Raya, at all throughout the season, David? Or?
1: I the only Brentford player I owned in the whole season was Ivan Tony, and so I very oh, much okay. looking back at these season review videos because um, ben me obviously was was shortlisted as well yeah. for for the defenders um yeah. i just i go why didn 't I own <laughs> them at any point I think I maybe just was a bit too prejudiced based on them being Brentford, which is a very unreasonable attitude because they are doing very very well and i think uh i just i just overlooked them i guess uh, but to be fair i mean I think um price came into it towards the end because they had a really strong uh first chunk of the season to the point that um I was worried I'd missed the boat, and I kind of felt that maybe Rea had had just pushed himself out of the budget section. You know, I had I yeah. was the same as you. Kepper was the goalkeeper that I played the most across the whole season as well. Yeah, and it felt like a, it just felt like a move that wouldn't get me as many points to make that switch because goalkeeper transfers are, are difficult to make, aren't they? Uh, really? Yes. Uh, unless you've got <laughs> spare transfers. And so, but, but then that was still a mistake because it just kept on delivering. So um, it's, it's that sort of thing that makes me think for next season, maybe I need to um, jump on the defensive bandwagons as much as I jump on the attacking ones. Cause I had no qualms doing it with Tony. That's the thing. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's a good point, though. I mean, the goalkeeper transfers, you don't tend to prioritise them. I actually brought Raya in on a, a wild card um, to prepare for a bench boost and, and paired him like loads of people did with Kepa. Um, the only problem is, is when you've got those two goalkeepers, you often bench the points um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because Raya was just... I think I played Raya in most of the home games and he, and he did well in those. I mean, Brentford are good at home. I mean, what's interesting is that, that Raya actually kept fewer clean sheets than the next three in the vote you know newcastle united and liverpool kept more clean sheets than than brentford across the season who kept 12 but what's great about raya is the amount no keeper had more save points nobody made more saves and i don't think any big keeper got any more bonus either i think he got over 20 bonus or around about that figure um, and to think that he started at 4.5 million as well um is incredible really yeah. and it's going to be interesting to see if Raya's right uh, at Brentford next year, there's a lot of rumors linking him with United and Spurs. Um and maybe the new Brentford keeper they've brought in Flecken, maybe he'll be worth a worth a look next year if Raya does indeed depart because Brentford are one of those perfect teams for goalkeepers, aren't they? They can see quite a lot of shots, but um a lot of them are from outside of the box. Um which, which is good for Raya. He's going to make more saves racking them up that way. So they're, they're a very good team for that. So it would be really interesting to see where he ends up. And um, I mean, Raya, wherever he is, he certainly won't be starting at 4.5 next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, he, he definitely hits that yeah. sweet spot where he's not necessarily yeah. going to top Clean sheets, but at the very least, when they do come, they're gonna be you know pretty yeah. healthy. And then even when they don't keep the clean sheets, three or four points here and there just keeps them ticking along. I think you're right with yeah. uh, with this new goalkeeper uh, Flackin. Which um, if you go to Fantasy Football Scout dot co UK uh, this morning, uh, you will be able to see a nice little scout report on on him to get a bit of a extra information on what uh, how useful he's going to be to Brentford next season. Be interesting to see how he's priced because. He's got to have the Brentford defensive uh, stability of this season factored into his price to some extent. But as you've already mentioned there, so much of uh, how many clean, clean sheets they kept was down to someone who might not be there. And so it's, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that Flecken's going to be a five million goalkeeper or 4.5? Where would you, in a world where is not there anymore?
0: It could depend on where Raya is when the game launches. If Raya has departed and we're suddenly thinking, well, Flecken is going to be the number one, then I think you would expect a five million price. But if Raya is still there and there's some doubt about Flecken being the number one, I mean, ideally it'd be priced up at 4.5 and then Raya would leave a couple of weeks (laughs) weeks later and we've got that route into that defence. We might get Brentford defenders at 4.5 and a lot of it is. You look at a defence, don't you? And and, and if Raya say five, but then you can get maybe like a Rico Henry or a, um, a Pinnock for 4.5, then you might look go down that route. But having a goalkeeper from Brentford for next season, if they were 4.5, I think they're going to be very, very, very popular, aren't they? Yeah, it's so, very um, true. Because they're a very reliable defence, especially at home at the Tech. They don't lose many games there. So, um, I mean, if this vote, just to talk about the other options as well, if this vote would have been done, the World Cup, I think Nick Pope would have won, wouldn't he? Because mm. he was excellent in the first half of the season, but then a bit like Trippier, they kind of dropped off second half. Um, but yeah, I don't think there can be any arguments with with Raya being our um, our top top goalkeeper this season.
1: Yeah, but... I think so. And as I said right at the, the top of the the video, that. It's this sort of thing that I that makes me look back at my season and go, I should have gone down this particular route because I personally overlooked him. And uh, in a world where I had Pope for a bit, I had Kepper as well. I was going to ask you if you were surprised so, that Pope uh, didn't win, but I mean, of course, you already addressed that. You know, the 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 the, the drop off after the World Cup is 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 really what did it, and uh, that drop off yeah. never happened with Brentford. So as you say. Deserve yeah, I,
0: I, did, I did own Pope pre-World Cup and he was doing very well for me, but um, of course his price kind of rocketed a bit, didn't it? And then um, mm. he was expensive. And I think when you in the second half of the season, when you're building a squad for like a bench boost, then it's important. That was the appeal with Raya and Kepa. They were both sub-5 million and you're already wary when you're building a bench boost team. You don't want too much on the bench each week, <laughs> do you? So it made Pope quite a difficult own in that second half of the season um, and that's why Raya was perfect when you're pairing with somebody like Kappa.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to defenders now and uh, there was a lot of options here. Um, the three that made it into the team, Kieran Trippier, Ben White and Pervis Stupinan all on the screen right now. Uh, but it was quite quite tight actually uh, in term, terms of you know the red line that divided whether you did or didn't make it into the team. Um, so, yeah, yes. um, what was the story of that particular poll?
0: So, um, Trippier came out on top with uh, 26.18% of the vote, and, and um, I don't think that surprised anybody. um he came just two points short of 200. It looked like he was going to hit that 200-point mark but then last day of the season couldn't quite get over the line, but still 198 points for a, a defender we forget who started the season at, what, £5 million. Um, is absolutely excellent. And he was so far ahead of everybody else, wasn't he? And I give something like 40 points more than the, the, the second-place defender, <laughs> which is crazy, considering when, when you consider the fact that Trippier actually blanked, in 14 of his last 18 or his final 18 appearances. Um could have smashed the record. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that just shows you how good he was first half of the season. I mean, it was every week he was returning, whether it be a clean sheet or an assist, sometimes both. Um, so he was he was absolutely excellent. And um, you know, looking back now, it was he was, he was just a bonus magnet, wasn't he? Because he, every match he was just creating three four five chances for his teammates and um as soon as they kept a clean sheet you'd be waiting for that 60 minute point check the bonus another three (laughs) and uh it was just it was just a very it's just I mean it it got to the point at the end where I mean his effective ownership was just below 100 but it was kind of you weren't getting that much out of it were you but you had to have him um, because it was really going to hurt if you didn't. So um, yeah, we're going to see a price rise from him next year, aren't we? I mean, it wouldn't maybe what six point five, seven million. I'd expect something like that for Trippier. Yeah, it's going to have um, to be
1: sadly, because um, the Newcastle yeah. defence, if it can get back to where it was in the first half of the season, because it, you know, it really was um, just a clean sheet machine for quite a while, and even when it stopped happening, it was largely down to defensive errors rather than yes. their team necessarily all of a sudden giving up uh, lots of, of, of chances. So if they if they can keep that up, then mm-hmm. I think 6.5 is, is a very fair price uh, for a defender that could have smashed the record and might even do it next year. But I, I suppose the thing is, there's probably going to be more choices in the Newcastle defence next season, because you would maybe expect a fairly busy transfer window uh, from Newcastle. Yeah, and, and
0: Champions League as well, when that kind of kicks in, um, will they sign a backup for Trippier who can step into those home games, which they're expected to win? Will he be quite as, you know, as nailed on? I mean, he's always going to be a starter, isn't he? But they're going to have to, they're going to have to manage some of them. And it's a bit more than last year, I think, which we'll, we'll need to take into account. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, great season for Trippier and an absolute no-brainer in the team of the season, I think. Yeah, Absolutely um so who else have we got so we've got um a who uh was second in the vote and he got 16 um he's a player that i know you had a lot of joy with like <laughs> yeah. many people this year david and um what's interesting is he, he only averaged 3.7 points per match um but he started only at 4.5 million i think he got eight assists across the season and of course he finished the season very strongly i mean everyone remembers that hall at the emirates don't they? When um, he got the, oh, yeah. the, the 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 goal at the very very end, and yeah, I think it, it it's deserved. Um, you owned him for a long time though, didn't you, David? It wasn't like you popped on at the end. You had him pre pre World Cup as well, yeah. did you, for a bit? I had,
1: yeah, I think I when I went back over my season, I t- signed him like game week fifteen or or sixteen. I think I just noticed enough of. You know, On the eye test and a couple of stats as well, the stats I was yeah. more interested in were kind of like his penalty box touches and things like that. And of course, Brighton's defense was one that was, was worth having at the time. And I've yeah. always had a bit of an affinity for um, an attacking fullback. Um, you know, Budget defenders okay. um, are something that just excite me, to be honest, because like they are the best value asset sometimes. And the positions he was taking up were just crazy. And so, yeah, I, I was looking back on the crosshole season. He's probably the player that I had the most joy with even if he wasn't necessarily the person who got me the most points, it's 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 players who you have who, if you can get ahead of the curve on them, you you get to enjoy those halls more than, than other people, which obviously sounds a bit mean, yeah. but this is a game where we've got to beat other people, so I shouldn't shy away from that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's absolutely true. I'll talk about it in the midfield section a bit, but um, I was exactly the same. I was looking at back on season highlights and things, and, and Foden for me in the first half of the season. That's the player that I remember the most because... I was quite fortunate. I I landed on his Patrick and things like that when other people didn't own then other people brought him in and then he was suddenly benched in that typical pet fashion. <laughs> so it's players like that and a stupid for you that that um you know we don't remember the as much the trippiers and things because everybody <laughs> owned him. It's more these little players that you get where you feel like you're a bit at the head of the curve with them, and that's what FPL is about to me um yeah looking back on that so Absolutely. uh yeah a, a def- again a deserving player in the uh in the team of the season i think and yeah. um he was followed by um ben white who uh got 15 of the vote so just behind it was very very close and um and ben white interestingly um uh, only just pip luke Shaw. it was uh 004 0.04% difference. So probably one more vote for sure might have just tipped it in his favor, but um, Ben White got in and again, another 4.5 million starting defender from a very good defense, 156 points. I think he ended on um, with Ben White. My, I didn't own Ben White this year. I got on Gabriel quite early. Um, I kind of looked at some stats and I, I liked his kind of goal threat from set pieces. So that kind of locked me into Gabriel. But Ben White, I mean, he was so, he he had like a bit of an eight point ceiling. I don't think he got over eight points throughout the season, but he was just very consistent. Um, and he actually he surprised me in an attacking sense that he actually got into some very good positions across the season um he's got that assist potential he's got he's got a bit of goal threat from set pieces as well from getting in the box and so um yeah he was a he was a very a very good route into that that defense which again um started the season and and up to the point when they had a bit of a wobble was was very very reliable so um yeah it was yeah, so white, so so white joins a stupid and trip
1: yeah yeah well, it's i think it is that goal for it that i think is probably just what pushed him into that top 3 because yes he he had everything to always get something because I remember having so I never had Gabriel because I was I was wasn't confident enough in the Arsenal defence until probably too late and and in my defence it probably was the whole do you trust Arsenal defenders we've we've had that question for a long long time so it took me longer to be won over so by the time I was like okay. I'm getting done by the Arsenal clean sheet here every week. I have to invest somewhere. Gabriel was already kind of out of my price point because he rose very quickly, as he yeah. said, at the start of the season. And so Ben White yeah. was the natural one to go for. And yeah, I had lots of moments where I really enjoyed owning Ben White because it would be in games... Because their defence in the end actually kind of reverted to form, you could say, in that they did start losing the clean sheets more often than they should, oh, cool. uh, mm. etc. But Ben White would just keep popping up. So And actually, that's sometimes better if you've got... The, if you've got Ben White and someone else has got Gabriel and someone else has got uh, Ramsdale and the clean sheet goes, and then uh, White gets an assist or a goal, that's probably going to help you yeah. more than if you all yeah. three of you kept the clean sheet. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that was that was quite nice. As you say, the the, the positions he took up were really interesting because I suppose historically we're used to him playing centre back role. Um, you know, we've never really seen him. Bombing on as a, as a fullback until this season, when um, especially at the Emirates as well, I can I feel like there was a lot of games where he would just go and live on the edge of the box, pop up with a header I was camp, or a shot.
0: Camped in that zone, wasn't he? Yeah, kind of just outside the box and whipping in crosses, and he was a real yeah good asset to own. And yeah, like you say, there was quite a few occasions when they lost the clean sheet. Then he would get an assist and a bit of bonus or something like that, and suddenly, yeah, that does more for your team than um, than than just having the clean sheet because a lot of Gabriel owners like myself, and um, yeah, he was the, he was the he was the go-to route into that uh, Arsenal defence for for a lot of people, wasn't he? Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, we should also talk about the other guys who just missed out. I suppose you have talked about Luke Shaw, mm. so perhaps a little little word on him and Trent as well. We're going to come back to. Their position in all this kind of you know this 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 game that that, that we've been playing with the <laughs> with the viewers with their votes and things towards the end with a bit of a there was a bit of a playoff vote but in terms of their season um, I suppose Trent too little too late to to really command a place in the top three I suppose and was sure it was, say it was yeah. very close so.
0: Yeah, I think Shaw was a good option. I mean, he had that, that period where he's moved to centre-back and that, I think, put a few people off at the time. But what interestingly actually did for Shaw is his, uh, his bonus potential at the centre-back position actually went through the roof then. So there was actually some pros to him playing there. I think he did keep a couple of clean sheets at centre-back and he scooped up the maximum bonus. Um, you probably want him as an FBL asset at left-back where he can get a bit more advanced, but but it wasn't a terrible thing when he was centre-back. And it was very, very close, like I said earlier, probably a couple more votes than he would have been in. Um, with Trent, I think you summed it up there, um, a bit too little too late, but he finished so strongly, which coincided with Klopp um, shifting him into this kind of inverted role where he would, out of possession, he would be right-back, when on the ball and he would move infield and form this kind of double pivot alongside Fabinho. And uh he was he was incredible there. He was uh, he got a lot of assists towards the end of the season. And I think that if that system sticks, which you fully expect it to, it's going to be the Trent of old next year um, that we get, hopefully, for an entire season. I think his price will probably be about 7.5 again. But I think a lot of people are going to go there because um, he's one of the best assets we've had in recent seasons, isn't he? Mm. um but just yeah it was just um liverpool struggled for a lot of last year defensively didn't they didn't they and it was only when they shifted to that new system that it all kind of came together and they had that late push for the champions league but i i expect liverpool um next year will do a lot better across the season i think they'll get back into the champions league and 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 then trent will be probably the go-to defender again next year i think
1: yeah absolutely well and the other thing is it just that shift um, into that sort of asymmetrical three-two, three-two, or I think it is. that <laughs> uh, yeah. didn't really yeah, help Robbo. Three,
0: three, two, five, yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah, really help. No, Robbo. It didn't. You're right.
1: Because he then became yeah. the left centre, left-sided centre half when they were in possession. So you're right. I think Trent definitely has probably a bigger advantage over Robbo than he's ever had, which is uh, which is a shame because Robbo is a bit of a fantasy legend of old. He's a previous uh, team of the season include, uh, you know, Clusi. Yeah. Clu- I think is the word. But yeah. It-
0: it would be interesting if FPL, when they do their pricing, we don't want a 0.5 gap between that, it'd be interesting if there's like a million um, or something like that. And depending on what the system throws up, there might be little tweaks to it. Um, I think in the setup at the moment, it's very hard for Robertson to get forward um, as much, but it, it might just, if there was a million gap, it at least raises the question, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so I think Trent will probably be worth it across the season. But yeah, if it's a 7.5 and a 7, then it's a, an absolute no-brainer to go for Trent a million. And maybe we start to to look at it a little bit differently. But um, yeah, I'm expecting a, a, a bigger season from him mm. um, next season, more consistent across the whole thing. And then just below them we'll we'll mention it we had Gabriele, we've already spoken about who had five percent of the vote ben me had just over four percent um and then tyrone mings and fabian shah as well um who, who completed it but uh yeah Trippier, are and white were the ones uh, selected by uh the voters mm,
1: yeah and were the included um were the inclusions mm-hmm. on, on the list as well um so let's move on to midfield then which um i don't think i've ever seen so many midfielders from the same team all make the team of the season. Yeah. Um, this, this, But also, it, the vote also for this one, also very, very, very tight. There's no runaway winner. Um, there's, you know, sort of like five or six players that have all, you know, sort of competed quite well with each other. And, and I mean, to be honest, when, when I looked at who was on the list, I was a bit like, I don't even know who I'm going to vote for myself, to be honest. And it kind of looks yeah. like the voters kind of had the same attitude when they voted in this because it's, it's not good. This it was a very close run thing.
0: It was the trickiest position, I think, um, because, yeah, you kind of look down that list and, I mean, we've got Rashford who came out on top with 18.45%, but just below him was Odegaard on 174 then you had Martinelli, his teammate, on 16.6%, then you kind of had Salah on 12.5%, and then Saka was just under 10% of the vote, so three Arsenal midfielders. Get thrown in, and then there's, um, and then there's other good options. There's players like Matoma, Andres Pereira. I mean, I would have liked to seen him in there personally because um, of the value he threw up. Mm. And then below that, there was De Bruyne, Almiron, McAllister, and Marsh. They were all under five percent, um, and maybe didn't do quite enough across again a- across the the whole of the season. Almiron was obviously excellent pre World Cup, and then went off the boil a little bit. McAllister, when he went into that number 10 role, was excellent, but maybe not quite as highly owned at the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, you kind of... I mean, it might be a first having three midfielders from from one club <laughs> in, in the team of the season, but it's hard to argue against any of them, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, when we were discussing uh, those three players, me and Mark, I very much sort of came to the realisation that the the thing about the three of them was was that um there was a sort of an element of difficulty in terms of which ones of them to own in a season where you also needed a defender from that team as well so you had to pick no more than two of that trio and it was really really difficult to get it right there were a number of times when i just yeah. i had the wrong combination can think of one particular time when I um, sold Erdegaard to keep Saka because I wanted to keep the penalties even though I was very yeah. aware of the fact I think it was an away game and I think Erdegaard was better away than he was at home and I, yeah. and I was like I know and I, because I needed to get to Salah that's what I was trying to do and I was like I know this is going to bite me I know that selling Erdegaard <laughs> is going to go wrong and it went wrong and just I feel like a number yeah. of people had so I sort of wonder if that's how they ended up all being so clutched together I And mean, of course they all had very similar points as well but um you did it, it it that's why i think the category was so close because there was no well i mean there was only five midfielders in in the whole campaign who were priced in, in what you would describe as as premium uh and so then there was only two really that were sort of you know in, in and around the sort of elevens and 12s in Salah and de bruyne de bruyne didn't have a mega season by his standards still a pretty good one mm. and it was very much the season was a, was a case of in a normal season i feel like we probably rotate around one or two slots in our teams that you would consider to be a mid-price to budget midfielder, but I feel like this season, like it was like four midfield slots. It was like Salah uh, and four other budget midfielders that you would rotate in and around off. Which is why the category is so large. I mean, you've got McAllister, March, Almiron, all the three Arsenal midfield players were priced very kindly with Saka a bit further ahead. But um, yes. It, it, And also, let's not forget that Salah wasn't really worth owning in the first half of the season. So really, the midfield category was was the cheapest you could remember. And so then that's probably why this vote is there's no standout winner because we've all probably chopped and changed our midfield more than any other position because Haaland was locked in. A lot of people stayed on Kane for a long time. You know, Trippier was locked in. Um, There was just lots of locks in, in lots of positions and the midfield was a bit of a carousel, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and it made it it made it probably a bit too easy, I think, didn't it? Because we yeah, had these players like that. Rashford, who started at 6.5 million, which is crazy. You had Odegaard, who was 6.5 million as well at the start. Martinelli was even cheaper still. He started at 6 million. And then you throw in a Trippier, who he started at 5. Um, and yeah, like you say, we didn't, like, you know, you know Salah, Salah's made it in and he was the top scoring midfielder. But you forget that he only scored six goals before the World Cup. Um, so he was he was certainly not a must stone before that. He finished very strongly. I think he only blanked once in the last eleven games. I think it was. So a bit like Trent, you know, as soon as Liverpool start performing, the system um, it works. Then then suddenly they're the the players that we've have been so reliable in the past. But yeah, Salah's a bit more dropped down, and it was those six six point five midfielders which were were so effective this year. I mean, Rashford was just excellent at old trafford wasn't he so consistent um great value odegaard i've always seen odegaard as this more of this kind of creator type this playmaker but he actually added a lot of goals this year um did he i think he scored was it 15 he ended on something like it might have been more than that but it was um it was absolutely superb and so we so he had this creativity and this assist potential but with this added goal threat he scored a lot of goals from outside the box but also kind of just attacking the box like kind of those lampard s kind of late runs into the box and then being on the end of crosses and scoring via that way and uh he he was excellent and martinelli i mean six million he, he started really strongly and then trossard came didn't he and we all thought he was gonna eat into his minutes and lose <laughs> his place and a lot of people sold him and then he came off the bench against my team, Villa, and scored in like the 92nd, 93rd <laughs> minute, or something like that. And then he was back in the team and he was suddenly like he just went on this incredible run. I think Neil, our editor, I think that he he had a massive boost up the rankings because he held on to him. And then people had just sold him. And we we'd maybe we were locked into Saka and Odegaard or something like that and didn't want to go back to Martinelli. And the people that held on to him just had these huge rank rises because he got some absolutely monster hauls. And um yeah, I mean, I think if I had to pick the two, I would probably pick Martinelli and Ian Odegaard in the team of the season. If you had to pick two, because I just think their starting prices and what they served up was excellent. Um, yeah. And then, but then Saka, you know, twenty six attacking returns. I mean, it's not bad, is it? <laughs> um, but it was penalties, wasn't it? That I think drew a lot of us were drawn into him because of that, which is completely understandable. So added penalties, and he got just over two hundred points, didn't he? So um, yeah, yeah it's not well. a surprise to see not a surprise to see him in there as well. So yeah, yeah, triple Arsenal, Rashford and Salah uh, in 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 the five across the middle, and the team of the year.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty formidable midfield. But as you say, the journey towards them all being selected was was very um, dramatic, shall we say, with with all those other names involved, which we yeah. can't quite say about the forwards. <laughs> I was pretty sure Erling Hahn had locked himself into the team of the season after about game week three, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it, we, we didn't really need a vote on this one, did we? We should have kind of just put him in automatically. Right? But yeah, incredible season for him. Um, but Harry Kane as well. You know, he finished only nine points behind him in the end. Yes, he started more games than him. Yes, he had more minutes. But he was incredibly consistent, wasn't he, Kane? I think he. I think he blanked in eight games I think across the season or something crazy like that. You know, I think you yeah. returned in three. Never two or in a row, I think, like was, was was
1: the stat as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you could get to a thremium this year, couldn't you? You could have got to Salah Haaland and um and Kane as well. And because of the prices of those those players, the cheaper players from Arsenal and trippiers and things like that. And I do hope I hope next season that we're priced accordingly where, where that isn't a possible option. Um, and if Kane is at still Spurs, um, will he be a Spurs player <laughs> when we start in August or will he have moved on? That's going to be um, interesting. I kind of hope he is at Spurs because it will raise, you know, which two do you start with then? It will probably be fixtures based, wouldn't it, if out of Haaland, Salah and Kane, hopefully they're all there and we're faced with this decision because it could make it interesting. Right
1: yeah I'm I'm a bit nervous about the, the Kane uh, saga over the summer uh, not for mm-hmm. any Spurs reason I'm not a Spurs fan at all it, it is for that exact reason you've mentioned there I, I want there to be a bit of a choice for people and if he does go mm-hmm. then it will just be Haaland and, and Salah and then uh you know, nine other players that you start which Build around that. doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a bad thing because I suppose the captaincy could potentially become uh, a challenge we might even be able to start doing captaincy videos again on Fantasy Football Scout <laughs> instead of them just being completely
0: made redundant in the past six months so.
1: <laughs> Yeah, which I actually think the way that Liverpool finished the season maybe we could be back in a position where we do have to pick between uh, at the very least Salah and Haaland uh, in a world where Kane is gone but if Kane is still here then he's, he's got every um, reason to be in that, that captaincy conversation um, mm-hmm. Conversation. I mean, we sort of forgot about him in many ways because he sort of. Um, yeah. He never smashed it. He was just very consistent, which is very weird for him because I've always seen him as a bit of a boom and bust player, which is in no way a criticism. I've always enjoyed owning him because you could usually time it just right because he, he's he's not a flat track bully by any stretch of the imagination and I, I, I love him uh, what he does for Spurs and for England so this isn't any criticism, but, you, but he, he is very reliable against the poorer teams and then tends to chip in against the bigger teams. So you could usually look at the fixtures and go, okay, now is a time when Kane is going to get some big hauls. Whereas this season... It, there were fewer big hauls but he just kept on delivering yeah. and i think that that's probably why he got overlooked was because he was never like the top scorer in many game weeks so he gets overlooked it's only when you look you looked back over a you know a six game week period eight game week period and went oh actually he's he's basically outscored everyone apart mm. from harland in this in this period and so what's really fascinating about the kane situation is i mean i guess the question is what was his value for the season so i i actually did start the season with harland Kane and Salah that's how I started the season and I went for a premium because I try to where possible have as many of the premiums in my team to begin with so that um, I don't accidentally miss out on one and then you could because it's easier to step away from a premium if they're not delivering than it is to break your whole team to get the one you don't have uh, if the other two are already delivering and so my front line was Haaland Kane and Jesus and it was quite reliable because Haaland was doing Haaland things Jesus was getting six or seven points every game week, and was Harry Kane. Despite all of that, I had an awful first half of the season, and I went into the World Cup ranked 800k, and I was anticipating my worst ever finish. And I kind of just went, okay, when I came out of the World Cup, let's just let's just take a few risks here. And one of the things I'd noticed was Kane wasn't smashing it enough, and I was never captaining him. So I took him out of the team and I went for a slightly different forward line. I had, it was Harland and Watkins, uh, for quite a while. Um, it was Harland and Wilson for a little bit as well. Um, and I just went for a hard to
0: join Tony, Tony for a bit as yeah, well, maybe Tony so, as well. Yeah.
1: Um, and had
0: the Um, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. So I sort of played the fixtures with those other striker slots and Kane was continuing to deliver, but I didn't have him. And weirdly, despite coming off the second highest scoring forward, um, in the end uh, taking him out of my team. I didn't bring him in again until the final day of the season. That's when my season just skyrocketed and I finished nearly in the top 10 K because I started to spread that cash and, and I'm not trying to knock Harry Kane in any way, but I think that that's possibly the story of how he got a little bit overlooked. Cause I, they, I can't have been the only fantasy manager who looked at his returns and felt they weren't explosive enough in a world where you could own and captain Harland or own Captain captain yeah. uh, Salah, or even a Rashford <laughs> or, or Fernandez who, who did very well as well. So, Weird season for Harry Kane, very strange season. But he still made the team of the season. Yeah.
0: I think the ca- the captaincy is key. I think. I don't think a lot of people owned him because they were they were always gonna go to Haaland um for the captaincy. I mean a lot of people a lot of people started game week one with Kane over Haaland, didn't they? We, yeah, we forget true. that. Kane Kane was really popular. He started the season because he had that home game against Southampton and Haaland went to West Ham. Um Haaland was coming off the back of a charity shield, where it seems crazy now, but questions <laughs> were being asked about him. And um, and then he promptly scored a brace, I think, against at West Ham on the first weekend, and um, had a point one price price rise soon after, and everybody was scrabbling to try and get to him from Kane, but. Um, I mean, to think that Kane had this kind of season and what was a really a, a Spurs team struggling, which probably did affect his kind of double-digit haul potential because Spurs weren't performing as well as they can do. They weren't scoring as many goals as they can do. So it's going to be really, if he is at the club next year, if he's playing under a new manager who is um, known for to be more attacking, more front foot. Could he step up another level and, and kind of what did he finish on? Just over 260 points, wasn't it? So um could yeah. he go beyond that if he's playing, um playing next year? Of course, Spurs don't have Europe either. So yeah. that helps. Um he's gonna I mean, he's always played every game regardless, hasn't he? <laughs> but he's gonna it's gonna it's not even possible, I don't think, but I had to play more games, but he's gonna be at super nailed on, which maybe won't be as much of the case when the Champions League teams at certain points. So um yeah, but yeah, I, I would like him to stay at Spurs next year, just from, from an FPL point of view. It'd be really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, or at the very least, if he can maybe stay in the Premier League and play for Man United rather yeah, than Spurs yeah. because maybe he might even do better. I just I don't mind where he is as as long as it's an English club so I can still own him in an FPL. Yes. And so he can be priced yeah. accordingly and, and sort of force yeah. a few decisions. But speaking of decisions then, there was one big one that um, Fantasy Football Scout readers had to make in the end, uh, which was we had, I think, seven players that got filtered into a bit of a playoff situation. Uh, which, in effect, is yeah. what decided the position. So, yeah, talk us through sort of where the decision to sort of run that poll came from and um, how it went.
0: Yeah, so we, it's, it's an idea we introduced. Um, the season before where we kind of locked certain the, the, the ones that had been heavily voted for or, or massively in front we locked them into the team and then we threw up another article where we had like a runoff vote which decided or which dictated the formation that we would play that kind of thing um, ones where the votes were a little bit closer and we gave people that decision we sometimes thought it would help the, the, the reader with that if you're if you've got these players like Haaland who are locked in like Trippier the obvious ones like David Ryer and things like that. And then we gave people seven other options for this runoff vote. Now the players included were um, Kane, Martinelli, Saka, Salah, Tony, Shaw, and Alexander Arnold. Um, And Harry Kane, funnily enough, came out on top of that runoff vote with 24% of the votes. People wanted him in their team of the season. Um, And then, Three other players joined them in that with Martinelli, Saka and Salah. And then the three players, I'm not sure if you can see it on the screen, but, it, it, but basically the three players that um, were kind of bottom of that runoff vote, Tony Shaw and Alexander Arnold, who had 11%, 9% and 4% respectively of the vote. They 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 formed the the substitute bench of our team team of the season. So they did very well, but just not quite enough to, to make it into that, that first eleven and um, tony's a player we we haven't really touched on yet yeah, but um a very a very good C season consistent unfortunately we're not going to see any more of him until january next year um but you can expect once he is back from this from this band that he'll um he'll become an option for us with those those wild cards for the second half of the season and um yeah, he, I mean he, he's he's very very consistent player, isn't he? Mm. And uh, and yeah, he was just ahead of Watkins in the vote as well. And Watkins again is that player who probably suffered from having a very strong second half, but not quite enough across the whole of the season. Under Gerard, I think, he only scored three goals. So um, so yeah, Tony, I think uh, third best forward. I think that that's fa- that's fair enough call over the course of the season. But yeah, not not quite enough to get into the eleven.
1: Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is, it obviously makes for a three-five-two, uh, which mm. is, I feel like the this, this subtle shift to three-five-two has, has has been happening over over recent years. You know, I, I'm still a bit of a three-four-three purist. It, I always feel a bit wrong when I'm in three-five-two, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it it has been it has been very effective this season for a lot of managers. So it's interesting to see that that in the end is sort of uh, how residually. Because I don't think anyone necessarily was voting specific with the specific intention of making the team three five two. It's just it's, crea- no, it's created one as a knock on effect, but that yeah. probably is the story of the season.
0: Yeah, and I think it's the the prices of those Arsenal players, but Brighton as well. You know, towards the end of the season, we kind of had to have two Brighton midfielders because of the volume of extra fixtures they had in double game weeks, didn't they? So that kind of made us shift towards that three five two kind of setup we wanted to of. McToma, McAllister, and Marsh in our teams and so yeah the the formation of the team this season does reflect the way certainly it finished anyway with uh, with our back in our midfielders and maybe it'll be maybe it'll be different at the start of next season it, it probably will be we might go down that that 343 three, that more traditional kind of route um but yeah it, it's completely dependent on the the, the pricing structure which uh, FPL give us uh, whenever the game is launched Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a bit of a a crystal ball question at the moment, isn't it? We can't really, Mm. uh, we just have no idea. Um, We we can guess. It's probably going to be like they they try and go as soon as they possibly can to get a bit of interest in. So definitely keep an eye out on the on on the fantasy Premier League League website and the fantasy football scout website uh, as well. Yeah but well, we do got, have just, just to say
0: quickly we've oh, got yeah. fixtures haven't we we've got fixtures we go? 15th of June oh, well you're <laughs> going to say that so yeah <laughs> so so but but let's see after that 2 3 weeks after we should have a game i think so. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you're absolutely right. The fixtures will be will be interesting. They're going to come on the 15th of June. They're going to be coming out at about nine o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, keep an eye on Fantasy Football Scout uh, for all of the sort of uh, uh, all the lessons we've we've learned as quickly as we possibly can because it, it's all a bit of a mad rush when the fixtures come out to assess all 38 games of the or 38 game weeks of the season, should we say? Um, season ticker will obviously be will be live on that day as well. I mean, are you looking forward to the to, to the fixture release? I mean, there's there's, there's still actually a lot of things it. you can kind of plan to do because you can almost kind of guess what a lot of the prices are going to be so it's an important date, isn't it yeah
0: the fixtures are just absolutely key for me it's very you know you can you can speculate on player prices but i've always been a manager who's been dictated by the player picks are by the fixtures um so we i mean on scout in the past week we've been doing a lot of research on the newly promoted side so Luton, and sheffield united and we've got the burnley articles to come and we've been discussing players i mean the, the newly promoted sides are so interesting for me because um, it's you know last year you know Pereira and mitrovic and even players like gibbs white who had a, an impact and solanke some of us owned um going back further you've got your, your kind of fpl legends like Lundstrom and things <laughs> like that and then um, players who have, have come up and um, made such an impact and i just hope we get an fpl which prices the players so that we do have to consider some of these options and we have to be you know i love that side of the game when you do have to kind of go to the newly promoted sides and maybe look out for a four million pound defender who might get a few starts in the first few weeks of the season or a 4.5 or something like that now last year we had newcastle defenders at 4.5 we had brentford defenders at 4.5 so there wasn't really a need to look at those type of players but i would like it this year if we if we can or or if we're forced into going down that route and maybe having one newly promoted player in our game week one team, something like that. So um, yeah, I I can't wait. So we've got fixtures, like you say, middle of June, 15th of June. Then we can start to uh, even, you know, you can speculate on player prices, then you can start to get an idea of which premiums you might want to go and then you kind of build around that. And then hopefully end of June, early July, whenever it'll be, we'll, we'll get the full game launched and we'll have four or five weeks of tinkering time maybe, (laughs) where we can build endless drafts, (laughs) arrive on something completely different, 24 hours behind deadline, and then see how it goes. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it already, to be honest.
1: Yeah, Um, it's gonna be good. And well, one thing that will be handy uh, for people to do, uh, if they haven't done already, um, is to uh, subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Make sure you like this video as well, so that we we know that you uh, want more content like this. It's been a lot of fun doing the team of the season, I think, for everybody. So, um, yeah, an opportunity to to get everybody excited about that uh, is always good. So make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that bell notification as well, because especially during the summer when you haven't got those game week deadlines, sort of keeping you awake in fantasy terms, uh, those uh, notifications to your phone to let you know that something big is happening in the fantasy world via the fantasy football scout youtube channel will i have no doubt be very useful so make sure you, you you click that and activate that um as well we've got other content uh, as well on the channel so if you if you want you can always go back and and have a look at them in more in detail on each of the different positions for the team of the season that we did with mark uh, recently we've also interviewed uh, the most recent winner uh fpl guns you can find him on twitter and uh, he even came 215th the previous season so this guy knows what he's talking about so watch out for big yeah. things for him uh, it was a good interview there. I mean, did, did you have a chance to uh, to catch that, Tommy? It was, it was good value, wasn't it? It's exciting to see what the future holds for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, we've actually got part of the interview going up on the site as well. It'll either be today or tomorrow. We've uh, transcribed some of it. And so and some in- really good insight in there because this isn't just a player, like you say, who's come off and just had one excellent season and then it's surrounded by average Mm -hmm. seasons he's had two well one incredible well two incredible seasons finishing 200 and what was it 15th in the world he finished the one before that absolutely amazing so I'm always interested to see what what these guys have got to say and the, the you know the strategies behind it and the involving chips and things like that and how did they how did they come to their captaincy decisions or their decisions to buy player a player a b and it's always really fascinating and it's there's stuff we can only dream of, isn't it, with an <laughs> FBL. Um yeah, and so true. it's just great to hear and hopefully we'll we'll hear more from FPL Guns on the lead up to the new seasons and um maybe you can share a draft or two with us or something you can <laughs> see what he's thinking and the players he's targeting. So um yeah, no, absolutely yeah. Incredible incredible couple of seasons.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, make sure that you uh, you do because you will certainly uh, learn a lot. But with that, I will leave you guys to enjoy the rest of your summer and uh, we will see you uh, the next time uh, we are live. We'll speak to you soon. Bye, guys.
0: Thanks, David. Yeah, see you soon.